Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Connor Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. This podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Every Wednesday, we publish an in-depth interview with an innovator from the worlds of design, fashion, beauty, mobility, and tech. And every Friday, we publish a panel talk or other behind-the-scenes content from the world of Scandinavian Mind. And today we are revisiting an interview I did recently on the Fashion Collective podcast run by the talented Alexander Walker in New York City. In this conversation we talk about fashion tech and what NFTs will mean for brands, the Swedish outdoor culture and all around everything Scandinavian mind. I had a great time doing this interview and I'd like to thank Alexander for letting us share it here. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events, visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Here now, me being interviewed by Alexander Walker on the Fashion Collective podcast. Enjoy. Hey, how's it going, Conrad? Alexander, good to talk to you. Finally, we were able to do yeah. this after many, many rescheduling on, on I think, both parts. So uh, so I'm happy to finally doing this. Yeah, same here. I'm very excited to have you on. I really love what you're doing with, you know, Scandinavian Mind. And I really want to get into, you know, your career because I think you've had such a, you know, a long history within like the editorial side that, you know, I would love to get your opinion on what's happening within the industry right now. Yeah, thanks. I, I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. I really love, look forward to getting into it. Before we, you know, get into it, uh, can you share just quickly, just you know, a little bit about yourself and you know what you do with the audience? Yeah, so I'm the founder and editor in chief of Scandinavian Mind. It's a magazine and a platform uh, covering the intersection of lifestyle and tech. Uh, we are a pretty young platform. We've been around for for less than a year. It was founded. Uh, on the shoulders of another platform I had, I ran for three years called Scandinavian Man. So a little slight pivot, slight change in name. So from Scandinavian Man to Scandinavian Mind. So I've been running my own business for for basically four years, uh, from from sort of covering issues of you know fashion, style, innovation, and and technology from a Nordic perspective. And you know before that, I've been basically working with with design, fashion, lifestyle magazines uh, my entire career career for the past 15 years so I'm, I'm a really I'm an editor I'm a writer I'm a journalist at heart uh, and now my I run my own company so that's that's just that's the short version yeah and I mean as I keep saying you know we'll be getting into all of that uh, over the course of the episode you know jumping into you know segment one so I'll eat those you know, how would you describe your, you know, personal style? You know, this has been such a hard question to think about since you sent me uh, the the uh, the sort of themes in advance. Uh, I think I'm at heart, I'm a pretty classic guy. I like, you know, I I I, I I'm standing on the on a style wise on a foundation of, of sort of the basics. I like, uh, you know, American workwear. Uh, I like the classic tailored uh, suit. I think, you know, obviously I come from a Nordic perspective, so I guess I have a little bit of that sort of, you know, uh, you know, minimalistic or at least sort of uh, uh, scaled back, uh, uh, you know, functional aesthetics that we are sort of rooted in here in the Nordics. I really started being into sort of 
you know, outdoor culture the past few years, spending more time in nature. And I feel like there's a great Nordic heritage there. But, you know, have any, you been getting into any of like that, like Gorp culture, like, you know, Arcteryx and, you know, Patagonia and all that? I, I don't nerd out that way. Uh, and, and when it comes to outdoor culture, I, I tend to levitate to, to sort of the, the, the Nordic brands that we have here, like uh, Fjallraven or Hoglevs or Klettermus. And there, there are a ton oh, of cool. sort of heavy uh, heritage brands. And actually, if, just, just to sidetrack a little bit, when it comes to the, the Nordic perspective and the Nordic you know, style history, what we've really been good at for, for the past sort of uh, century has been the, the Nordic, uh, you know, outdoors. We have a pretty, you know, uh, at, at, at times, uh, you know, tough uh, nature up here. And, and most of the brands have been around for a long time, you know, 50 or even 100 years are these classic outdoor brands making, you know, whether it's like um, Lundhog's, you know, boots or uh, the hog gloves, you know, backpacks, you know, many of these sort of, you know, from my perspective, big outdoor brands, they have a long, long history here. So th th that's really one of the true sort of Nordic cultures, uh, if you will. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm actually haven't heard it, heard of these brands and I'm really interested in, you know, checking them out later. Yeah, it's a good, good, good intro for the audience, perhaps to, to the Nordic outdoor, outdoor scene. But, uh, you know, I, to, to your question, I don't, I don't define myself as an outdoor person. It's just that I've been, you know, I have, a, I spend time in, in, in the mountain skiing and I have a summer house outside of Stockholm here in the archipelago. So I've spent a fair amount of time hiking and so forth. But when it comes to my personal style, I'm, I'm really, really about uh, the classics. I'm, I'm not one of those guys who's into the the, the latest trends or uh, the latest, you know, whatever, you know, uh, lo logo T-shirts or, or sneakers or whatever. I, and I, 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 even though I respect that, I like that. That's really not what what I'm about. Yeah, and I think that's kind of something that you know a lot of you know, especially in Sweden, I feel like that's kind of like more minimalist, you know, simplistic, and you know, just making sure like you're you know keeping all the proportions and the cuts right. I think I mean that's that's at least the 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 general opinion. I think you can there there are nuances to that, of course, and I think there are um, you know if you look at brands like Acne Studios or or you know some of these right. brands that have come out the the the, the last few years and really make a stem, um, they have been also all about sort of you know. Uh, uh, different patterns, uh, different cuts, really experimental, and, and and that type of stuff. So there's really, I think the 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 cliche about Nordics is about this sort of minimalistic functionality. I think that ex, you know for sure that exists, uh, but but I think there's there's more nuance to be had as well. You know, moving into you know segment two, you know what have you been obsessed with lately? You know, you know what have you been into? Like this can be you know books, you know movies, TV shows, articles. Yeah. Well, one thing that, that really, you know, occupies my mind right now is, is this, you know, notion of, of digital fashion and where fashion is headed. I, I really think we're, we're in a pivotal moment in the history of fashion right now. And, you know, I, I, I've been working in this industry for now for the past seven or eight years. It depends on how you define it a little bit. I, I spent like, you know, a fair amount of time in, in the interior design space before that. So I've been sort of covering the lifestyle industries for quite a long time and I, I enjoy it and I enjoy the aesthetic of it i enjoy the sort of uh, cultural role these industries play in people's lives but what i'm seeing right now i find it so fascinating how it's a, like a completely new separate fashion industry that's emerging it's emerging quite you know mostly uh, separate to the current fashion system 
but we, we do see some overlap. And, and what I mean by this, just to just take a, a simple example, which I always use is the, I see I have a 10 year old daughter. Uh, she comes home from school and what she does is uh, she logs on to uh, a, you know, a platform like Roblox where she has, she hangs out with her friends there. She meets them there. She has these avatar uh, avatars that she dresses up in, in different outfits. And when she want, you know, I ask her what she wants to spend her allowance on, it, it is these digital assets. She wants to buy different types of skins or different types of uh, hats or, 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 or features or, or, or what they may be, but they, they do exist in the digital space, right? So we have a company like Fortnite who spends, who, who sells about somewhere between two and three billion dollars a year selling these digital skins. And uh, I do think we're seeing something really exciting emerging out of this that I think, you know, the old fashioned system is trying to wrap its head around. Uh, we see some interesting examples, but, but obviously I think it's the, 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 the digital native players that are going to play, a, a, you know, a, a defining role here. Yeah. And I actually think this moves, you know, it's a great segue into segment three, you know, rapid fire, you know, I really want to get your opinion on, you know, NFTs, you know, we've seen, you know, Jacob Gallagher, you know, recently, you know, published an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal kind of talking about it. Uh, what do you think, you know, what role will this play within the fashion industry? Yeah, I haven't read that article. I have to look that in. I, I, I love, uh, I, I love his work. Um, you know, I, I, you know, as anyone, I'm trying to wrap my head around this concept. I do think uh, it, it is a shift. It defines uh, a, a change in how we will view ownership going forward. So I think we've been in an era digitally for the past like 10 or 15 years or so, but we've been sort of, we've warmed to the idea of consuming digital assets. So we have Spotify, we have Netflix, we have all these services that provide us with, with digital content, but we don't actually own it. So what the, what the NFTs do is provide that sense of ownership. And I think it, it relates pretty directly to the fashion industry. And then just as I mentioned, that we were seeing this sort of emergence of a digital fashion system uh, that only exists in the digital space, in these metaverses, on these sort of, uh, you know, gaming platforms. And I think with fashion, it, it, to me, it's fairly easy to see that you're going to be able to attract an audience that is used to paying a premium for brand or a premium for something that's scarce or a premium for something that is, is attached to, you know, a specific designer or cultural personality. It's not that, I mean, I don't know whatever the hell a, a pair of, you know, off-white sneakers is, but I'm sure it's, it's, it's close to a thousand dollars or, or, or north of that, you know, you know, do you pay for the laces and the, you know, the, 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 the cost of production? No. Do you pay to get access to a sense of sort of, cultural credibility that Virgil Abloh, uh, you know, uh, gives this, this object? Yes, of course, you, you're paying up for that. It, it's pretty easy to say that, to see a scenario in which Virgil Abloh goes out and just it starts a, a, a third brand, totally just only NFTs and digital assets they can use on different uh, metaverses or just hold digitally. I, I completely see that. And I definitely think that it's going to be an audience for that. Yeah. And I think, people have already been kind of trained to think like that. I mean, as we've seen, you know, the rise of like StockX and GOAT and people have already kind of become accustomed to, you know, thinking about, you know, fashion and sneakers and like, uh, like almost like stocks. 
I mean, it to- yeah. definitely makes sense that, you know, people will gravitate towards using like, you know, NFTs within the industry. Sure. And, and I also like, you know, I think this notion of, which is really nothing new, but, but this notion of, of you know, blockchaining and, and uh, uh, you know, offering the, the, the notion of the ledger, the, the, the ability to see the history of ownership of, of, of an object. So to be able to do that, to be able to apply that to something um, physical even. So let's say, uh, you know, a new Vetmon, it's, it's founded t- tomorrow. It, it, it's called something. It's, it's the cool brand X out of, you know, City Y. Uh, it, let's say it becomes hot shit. It becomes the coolest thing in the world. I think if you like the first thousand, you know, products or objects that comes out of that fashion brand, if that is tied to an NFT and you're able to see who owned it in the first, you know, uh, you know, for the first generation of owners, you know, those owners, you know, a few years out are going to be, you know, highly credible. It's, it's gonna, just going to raise their, their cultural status because they were early to, you know, uh, the, the next Virgil Abloh or, or, or the next Demna Gazalia. Uh, so that, that to me is also fascinating. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in the sort of punk and hardcore community, you know, knowing about the next cool band was like hot currency in, in my circles. So right. to be able to have a digital sort of documentation of that, I find that super fascinating. You know, another thing that seems to be, you know, growing within the industry is the use of, and across industries, you know, Substack and like online newsletters. Right. You know, what's your opinion on that, you know, from someone who's, you know, spent a long time within that space? No, I'm super excited about that. You know, I run my own platform is, you know, it's not my personal platform because I have a team with it. And to me, it's important that it becomes like a brand outside of, of just myself. So in, in that regard, it, it's the model is more veered toward a traditional kind of like a magazine a brand type setup. But I, I, you know, I do think the notion of subscription is going to be you know, obviously digital in the future, we see if you have a specific uh, knowledge, knowledge of something, if you have a specific insight into an industry or, or into a subculture, that's going to be highly valuable to those who, who wants to be in the know. So, and, and I don't think that's going to, you know, it's not going to disrupt New York Times. It's not going to destroy their model. If anything, it will only strengthen the idea of, of, of paying for content on a, on a regular basis. So, but I do think it's similar. The, the, the notion of a Substack, which is sort of this uh, subscription-based newsletter, is that, I, I like as an as an old-fashioned journalist. I like the idea that people pay for the idea of getting uh, content from a specific person, rather than than the the uh, having the the monetization being based on clicks and advertising, which can right. you know veer it in a direction where the the writer maybe have feel like he needs to you know write clickbaity articles. So I feel like the Substack model sort of it goes back to 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 a more like old school way of looking at uh, you know columnists or or uh, you know uh, you know specific journalists. Definitely. And I love what you said about, you know, people with a very specific knowledge on something, you know, that's why, you know, you know, newsletters like, you know, Blackbird, you know, Spy Plane, you know, started by Jonah Weiner has become, you know, so successful is because he is giving you that, you know, intel on the next brand or some obscure thing that he found online that he wants to you know write about and share about. Mm. I mean, that's what, you know, makes it so, so great. And I, you know, as a, you know, I, I, I came up, 
through the sort of uh, do-it-yourself uh, <laughs> industry, if you will. You know, I grew up in the sort of the punk and hardcore scene in the north of Sweden. It was all about, you know, creating your own fan scenes and, and you know, self-publishing and self-publishing your music before you had sort of the digital, uh, you know, tools to do it. So this is really speaks close to heart. And, and you know, if anything, if, 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 if this is a way to have individual sort of independent uh, writers that, that are, you know, know something really in depth to have them, you know, uh, get some kind of revenue or income from it. Uh, that's just a wonderful thing. Definitely. I think the, yeah, the Substack newsletter space is really, really incredible. And I'm, you know, excited to see you know, what comes of it, you know, I think, you know, the editorial side is always, you know, evolving and changing. Mm. And I think this is just the, you know, modern iteration of, you know, blogging or, you know, news. I think also it's, it's, it's a welcome, I think we're seeing a, a lot of things in the media space right now that sort of moves a, away from these kind of monopolistic uh, uh, positions that the Facebook and Google has uh, as platforms. So I think the the notion of the paid newsletter that we're using this sort of, from from a digital standpoint is really the most old school of mediums, the the email send out, that we're using that as a sort of, uh, to be able to control a direct link to our audience. I think that's fascinating because, you know, for the past 10 years, we've learned to rely on these huge platforms but what we also learned the past few years is that they don't really serve our interest Uh, even though you build an audience uh, on instagram or facebook you you can be sure you're not going to reach that audience if you post things unless you are paying for 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 it so there's something fascinating going on in in the pendulum of, of that yeah always important to kind of build your build your own platform just to house and be the home of you know, all of your content. Um, I think so, yeah. You know, moving into kind of the main topic, you know, everything uh, with your career and, you know, what you're currently doing with, you know, Scandinavian Mind, you know, I want to start from like the very beginning, you know, how did you kind of get interested in the fashion industry in general? Well, fashion came to me kind of happenstance. I never meant for it. As I said, I grew I grew up in the sort of music community. I, I you know, I always dreamt about being a magazine editor, about, you know, um, covering interesting topics. But but uh, fashion came to me pretty late. So I spent sort of the first five and six years as a journalist in the interior design space. And even that was something that sort of just happened because I, I wanted to work with a specific editor in Stockholm where, where I live. I, 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 I was, you know, happy enough to get an internship there and and eventually also a job there so that was for one of the major sort of interior designs and architecture magazines in in the nordics you know but having spent a few years in the interior design space you know i think i was approaching 30 that's really when my my fashion interest sparked and i think it just came out of sort of necessity i i I knew too little about clothing i i wanted to learn I, i became more of like an adult so i just i just started to learn more and this was at the height of the sort of tumblr era if you i i think you're how old are you uh 23 so yeah yeah, you were a young guy then so uh but but this was sort of at the height of that era. it was before instagram and 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 everything so and i really you know i think you saw guys like Lawrence Schlossman and and, you know the sartorialist and all those guys came out of that uh, era in a way so I just I just as with anything, I, I get like super nerdy. I, I, you know, go really deep in it. I, I you know, I do all, I, I, all the research I, I can do. Uh, I just try to learn the basics and, and, uh, you know, uh, from, from a professional standpoint, I also moved, you know, eventually 
uh, I was recruited as editor in chief to Plaza Magazine, which was kind of like this um, major, uh, you know, design and fashion lifestyle magazine. I had covered fashion a little bit before that, but that really was my entry ticket into into fashion. I re- it really gave me a platform to cover fashion in a in a more broad sense. So. I was editor-in-chief of that, and at the same time, just when I started, uh, my publisher decided to start an offshoot magazine called Plaza Womo, which was only focused around sort of Italian classic tailoring. And uh, so I, I kind of that that was kind of handed to me in my lap, kind of like the first day of the job. Uh, mm-hmm. I was into tailoring before, as I said, I was sort of nerding out on, on Tumblr, but I was nowhere near you know, some of the most knowledgeable people. So I kind of had a crash course in Italian tailoring, you know, you know, on the job. And you know, so visiting I spent, Pitti Uomo and yeah. You know, all that, you know, and I had, I had visited Pitti Uomo before as, but that, as a travel journalist, sort of observing from, from uh, the outside. Now I was really in it and we started doing these events down at Pitti. And it was also, I, I also became editor-in-chief in, in an era where sort of magazine, you know, reading was declining uh, quite a lot. So we had to sort of, be inventive and find different ways of, of finding new revenue streams. And so moving to the event space was really important. And, and we created a, a concept in, in Pitiomo in Florence uh, back in, I think, 13. Uh, that's that's still, you know, pre-COVID is still one of the sort of uh, highlights of, of the Pitiomo uh, week in Florence. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of having founded that. So I don't know, I, I lost my train of thought here a little bit, but that's kind of how I moved into fashion. It was both out of sort of pure personal interest, you know, turning 30 and also from, from uh, uh, a professional side, I, I gotten this, this new gig and, you know, I think stars align in a way, and this has become the, the sort of uh, the main theme of, of my professional life the past decade. Yeah. And I feel like the next question I want to ask is, you know, as a writer, you always want to have like your own voice, your own identity. You want people to be able to, you know, read it and know it's you. And I think as a publication, you want to have that as well. You know, how was it kind of, you know, providing that direction for the for Plaza magazine while you were there as editor in chief? Well, you know, it was interesting because, because as I said, it was it was kind of like an era where everyone was talking. This was like 2012, I think. So almost a decade ago. And people were, were really talking. Every, what everyone was talking about was like the death of print and, and, and so forth. And people had been talking about the death of print, you know, at least five years before that. So it, it kind of felt like I was at the wrong place at the, at the wrong time in a way I really fulfilled my dream it was the dream come true becoming editor of a magazine right so but it provided with a, a certain level of freedom and because I think we're, when you're in this sort of transformative mo- uh, you know mode or transformative era which was you know arguably the, the magazine where it was by, back then it provided with a certain level of freedom because we couldn't rely on past concepts and past models so you know as i said i i i really i, I we had to find different revenue streams we started experimenting with the, in the event space i started experimenting with doing podcasts and 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 uh, you know on this on the social space uh, kind of on the side uh, and, it, and it provided an opportunity to be more of a searching uh, platform and, I, and this is kind of like how I see my role as an editor anyways you know I, I, I never enjoyed whenever I've been in, in roles where I had to sort of um, be a manager of, of an existing format that just have to churn out content in a very specific template templated way I've never enjoyed that I, I enjoy 
discovering change. I enjoy, you know, trying to follow where the culture is headed. So maybe this is a, a sort of an abstract answer to, but the, to your question, but this is really my approach as an editor. I, I don't consider myself really to have a really strong opinion or a really strong bias towards anything. If anything, I'm biased towards change. I'm biased towards trying to find where culture is headed, you know, and, and you know, fashion specifically for the past 10 years. Uh, did you have like any, you know, mentors or people that you just admired their work, you know, early on, like, and still to this day? I tried to stay away from it today. today actually, I, I think I've always worked with, with mentors in, in my life. And I, I, you know, whether it's been like, you know, more senior uh, magazine editors or entrepreneurs that have done things, you know, prior to me, I, I, I think I've, I've gone through my fair share of, you know, I was born in the early 80s, you know, I, I've gotten to know pretty much any any one of my heroes in the Swedish sort of editorial space. I've gotten to know and trying to sort of tease out and find, uh, trying to learn anything from them. And this is this is still to this date. This is my best sort of advice to any young person who wants to get into any industry: is try to get in just a little just a little bit. Just try to get your toe into the door, foot into the door, and try to you know, put yourself next to greatness, put yourself next to the people that you really admire and learn from them. And, and you know, you'd be surprised how often people will let you in if you, if you just have an open mind and, and are, you know, appreciative of, of their work and, and, and just be honest about, I, I want to learn from you and, and what you do. I think people really enjoy uh, spreading, spreading that knowledge. So you, using mentors and, 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 and that, I think it's really key, especially in the first, let's say, 10 years of your career. But right now, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from it, try, trying to more, much more rely on my own sort of abilities, if you will, and, and much more trying to find my own uh, way. Yeah, and looking to, the, looking to the future, you know, moving into kind of, you know, your own projects, you know, as you said, like you first started off with Scandinavian Man, and which turned into yeah. Scandinavian Mind. Was it you know, what spawned it? Was it just kind of like, I've worked for other sites and publications for so long, it's kind of time for me to, you know, venture out on my own? I think, you know, it, it started pretty spontaneous or it started, it wasn't like this, this thought through plan, but but because I, I it actually started, I, I got a question from from a, call, a friend of mine asking me if I wanted to start a new men's fashion week in Stockholm, and that's how the Scandinavian Man project started. It was really like from left field in a way. But once we decided we we were going to sort of go for it, and and you know I, I quit Plaza to do it. It was really about creating this sort of cohesive 360 idea of what an editorial platform should be going forward. Because having worked in sort of kind of like a legacy magazine brand, what was you know the problem with that, even though, as I said, we tried to find new uh, business models, tried to work more with events. I still had a publisher who didn't want to invest anything in digital, who didn't see a future in digital, who didn't see a future in, in podcasting or, or you know, newsletter uh, uh, publishing or anything like that. And to me, like it was so clear to me uh, even 10 years ago that you know an editorial brand if you define it that way I always you know I will always be a magazine guy at heart but what a magazine is is essentially a a you know a, a, a vehicle for serving a specific you know audience or target group or subculture or or you know 
something very, that's very defined. That's, that's what a magazine does best. So if, even like if you're into a certain type of motorboats or if you're into hunting or if you're into a certain type of style in menswear, you know, a magazine is, is, is it's the ultimate format for covering that. And I just saw, you know, it just felt completely natural to me that a magazine brand should have a podcast. It should have a newsletter. You know, it should have an online activity that is as strong or stronger than the print one. So, you know, one of the ideas in the beginning with, with Scandinavian Man was, was really about creating this, this platform thinking in terms of your output. And, and to me, like the brand should be the same whether you are writing like a caption on Instagram or publishing uh, you know, uh, a biannual magazine or doing an exhibition with photography, you know, it, the brand should still be the same, whatever. And that's what I'm trying to create still to this day. Yeah. And, you know, how has it been, you know, growing the team and having your hands in so many different uh, mediums? You know, how has it been in the last years? Yeah, no, obviously it's been challenging as anyone who runs its own business can can uh, probably uh, attest to. And uh, especially if you decide to start a print magazine in, in 2017, it, it, it has had its, its up and downs with, with, you know, with this platform thinking with kind of this experimental approach of doing many different things we've also you know hit some walls we we spent quite a lot of uh, energy building this e-commerce marketplace platform for the nordic brands that that did really work out still think it's a good idea but i don't think we executed it as as it should have been so uh but what's been so rewarding is but you you learn from 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 every mistake you learn from every project but i mean you know i've been so proud we've we've done events in in like eight different countries we've worked in the states we've worked in in europe we've worked in italy and in the london we've helped a lot of the nordic brands uh, reach out to a, a wider sort of uh, um, international audience and i think really established ourselves as uh, a new type of editorial uh, uh, platform that the brands can collaborate with and, and that's what we br brought with us in in this sort of the brand change from man to mind which is really about doing kind of the same thing we just broaden it we don't we don't uh, limit ourselves to to one gender or one industry so that that's been the most rewarding part uh, the learning process and and uh, and obviously you know covid has been a challenge but but you know we've come back strong we have some really interesting projects that's gonna you know uh, come alive uh, this year and i'm super proud to to have been sort of relaunched with scandinavian mind during during this past sort of year of, of global lockdown yeah and you know so do you see like kind of like doing those brand partnerships and everything like that as a you know a great way instead of you know as you said like avoiding having to do clickbaity titles to get clicks and you know having to rely so heavily on ads it's kind of like you have all these other different types of you know revenue sources where you can really just focus on you know creating the best content as possible yeah sure i mean it's all to me it's all about you know creating uh a building off of your credibility and being sort of really watchful about you know you know um being careful and protective of, of your credibility because then that's pretty much all you have in, in in this industry at least so if you start to chip away at that i think it's a dangerous thing 
So, but but to the question of revenue, what we, what we do basically is sort of these brand partnerships. We do a lot of native content. We produce a lot of content together with the brands. And with that, I mean both sort of editorial content, online content, but also events. We do a lot of events together with, with the brands. We also realize that off of our network and, and the knowledge that we have, we have kind of like a strong uh, agency offering. So we, we go in and help brands with their their own content structures and and their own uh, campaign productions and so forth. So we, you know, I look, you know, from a from a business model perspective, I look a lot towards the. I think the, you know, the those who do do it best right now in terms of building editorial platforms are the are the streetwear platforms like uh, High Snobiety and uh, uh, Hypebeast. I think those are like the mo- like the really like the modern magazines of today. They have a you know huge online following. They they do uh, native content and so meaning advertising in a really like new and modern and integrated way. But they also uh, you know have their own e-commerce platforms and they all, they also have their own sort of agency work. So while I think I don't know I think the future for Scandinavian Mind you know we we do the the native content we do we do that we do the agency work. I'm not sure we're gonna get back into e-commerce. We'll see, but I do think the future is more uh, trying to find a way to actually charge for the content. Meaning, you know, going back to what you talked about with with Substack, I think that's a, a really an interesting model to to look at. And we have some projects in the works where where um, when it comes to using our knowledge in in uh, in learning, uh, so building an academy for for transformation in fashion. For the fashion industry that's something i'm working on right now i mean in Scandinavian mind you know publishes you know really in-depth reports and you know provides thoughtful you know coverage of the industry do you see that most of the listener or the readership is you know in the listenership i guess you know people who work within the industry or do you see a lot of people who are just really interested in fashion that are just you know reading articles and listening to the pod and like you know what are you finding no, it's definitely uh, our core target group are people working in the industry. So, you know, even though we wrap ourselves in sort of this lifestyle, uh, you know, uh, magazine type look and feel and, uh, of the content, you know, what we, who we serve is really the operatives in the fashion and design uh, industries. Uh, and we know this from who follows our newsletter. The, and we know this from who follows our, our social content. So it, it's also you know, in that kind of B2B space that we've done most of our events uh, work. So we've worked a lot with the international design and fashion fairs, creating, you know, brand launches or VIP dinners and that type of stuff. So, you know, in a way, we're kind of like a Nordic business of fashion, if you will. Uh, so, so you know, to your point, definitely within the industry. Okay, yeah. That's why, I mean, always thought, and do you see... You wanting to grow skinny in mind in order to get more of like a you know a casual you know fashion enthusiast you know to read on the side or do you really just want to mainly you know stay focused on people within the industry or you know adjacent industries i think i, I want to you know this is this is a discussion we have on a day-to-day basis i think the, the you know the core people we serve are the people who works in these industries in the nordics i think the second uh sort of tier target group are people you know internationally who are curious about the nordic world and those people may may or may not work within the industries but there are people who are curious about sort of nordic culture nordic fashion where it's headed we we, every friday we do this sort of really popular 
travel guides to to different places in the Nordics. And I think we get a lot of traction of those guides. You have like an underrated city that people should visit when they're if they when we're able to travel again. Oh, there are so many. I think you know, I, even for myself, I, I discover uh, the Nordics every week when we do this. We started sort of doing the, the traditional sort of city guides from Stockholm and Copenhagen. But what really people enjoy is when we go to like Lofoten in the way up in the north of Norway, where they have this really you know, cold water surfing uh, uh, spots that, that's really dramatic with the nature. Um, you know, Bergen in Norway is another beautiful city. There, there, are, there are, you know, obviously I, I, I'm biased towards the Stockholm archipelago where I spend a lot of time. So I encourage anyone who comes to Stockholm to just get on a ferry and get out into the, into the archipelago and, and, and among the islands. So there's, there's a lot to discover. And I think, you know, even even just from 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 an armchair perspective, uh, there, there's a lot to discover when it comes to Nordic nature. Yeah, definitely. I cannot wait to make it out there. It's definitely on my at the top of my list for. I'll be, ha- I'll be happy to welcome you here. <laughs> I look forward to it. But yeah, I mean, in terms of you know back to you know Scandinavian in mind, you know as you said, like you guys are you know big into the you're entering the podcast game. Uh, I told you you know before we started recording that you know I was really into the one that you did with, you know, Sam Hine of, you know, GQ, you know, where do you see this growing into? Do you see, you know, where do you see the podcast going? I think there, there are a few ways it can grow. I mean, I'm really happy with how we established the format now. So now we do, we do two, two episodes a week. We do one sort of long form uh, interview with, with like an innovator from the worlds of, of sort of Nordic fashion, design, beauty, or mobility. So, and, and then we do like a, like a bonus episode of sorts on, on Fridays where we have, because we do a lot of these panel talks, even for our business. We do a lot of collaborations with other platforms. We've collaborated with Project, the Project Digital Fair in New York. We've, we've collaborated with, with you know, Pitti Womo in, 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 in Italy. We, we regularly do these sort of uh, roundtable conversations about, you know, d- different topics that, that is transforming the industry. So I'm, I'm super happy about just... Because I know I'm, it's it's taken us uh, quite some time to just set up the the uh, the consistency of this and and you know you know and anyone who, who runs a podcast knows it's so much about planning and scheduling and, and making making it all work. But but I'm really I'm really interested in in you know I think where we can sort of make it a little bit more interactive. I'm curious to do sort of clubhouse things where you can actually record them as well and publish them on the podcast. Uh, we also have an extended network of edit- editors at large that, that are specific within different industries. I'm, I'm really happy to, to we're, we're, we're developing concepts where they can come in and host their own episodes. So you know the burden oh, wow. of, of of the burden of delivery is not just on me. So uh, yeah. we have we have a lot of ideas. And for you know so many people who listen are you know aspiring writers and you know people who just want to work within the media space. Are you looking to you know adding people to the team? Are you looking for any freelance writers? Like are you looking for that? We're constantly looking for for talent to 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 you know contribute to the platform. You know it, it's all a matter of of uh, you know. It's, it's, it's resources in, in terms of, you know, time and money that, that, you know, stops you from, from growing as fast as, as you want. But one, one uh, uh, idea we have that we're kind of working on, and this could be uh, something I, to, to reach out to your audience is I would like to find like a, a contributor in each of the, the major cities in the world. You know, obviously this, this 
this idea i've had this idea for a long time it kind of halted during covid because i couldn't travel myself to to the, to these cities but i would love to have someone from like berlin and new york london milan to sort of cover the world of fashion and design from from their end to sort of have contributing on the ground if you will because you know we i do see you know even though i our, our main talk you know mission is to, to cover the world from a nordic perspective i do think there are things happening in in, in uh, internationally that that has a place on the scandinavian mind platform so that could be a little teaser to your audience yeah i love that idea so yeah if anyone's listening and you live in one of these uh, major cities definitely feel free to reach out please do please do uh yeah this has been a really great conversation i've you know love to learn more about all the things that you guys are working on is there anything that people should be keeping an eye out for in the near future no just as i you know always say follow our newsletter go to scandinavianmind.com newsletter and sign up that's that's the best way to keep track of what we're doing and get invites to upcoming events and i really look forward to to you know when when time allows to to do some physical events uh, again because this has really been core of what i've been doing for the past five years and and you know i can't wait to, to get back to to new york or F- florence or london or any of these cities that that we've done work in before so uh, but but follow our newsletter and uh and, and to anyone listening who are sort of you know up and coming in the industry just again uh, uh you know try to network as much as, as possible and reach out to people you you are, you admire and and want to work with because you know you you'd be you'd be surprised how often they will reply with a kind answer definitely i would highly recommend it and everything will be you know all the links to you, all the scandinavian mind uh website social media podcasts will all be uh, linked below uh thank you again for you know coming on here conrad well thank you alexander and thank for all the the, the hard work that you're doing i think you're, you're building a great platform for yourself here so i'm, I'm really uh, you know happy to be following that as well hey thank you you've been listening to the scandinavian mind podcast with me conrad olson this show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights, and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to scandinavianmind.com to become part of our movement.